everyone. Welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Murphy, joined here with my man, Larry Thomas. Larry, welcome to the studio. Yeah, yeah. happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man. So Larry and I met back in 2014? Uh, 15. Maybe 15, yeah, yeah. 14, 15 area. Yeah. And it's funny because our lives have kind of, they crossed in a bunch of different ways. And now good friend of mine. We work together. We train together. We work together on multiple facets, both with Big Night Fitness and with CrossFit HQ seminar staff. He is a member of CrossFit seminar staff. He's done multiple things above that with CrossFit, owner of two CrossFit affiliates, um, has essentially done it all. But um, uh, super stoked to have you here and and excited to dive into kind of like how you got where you are. Yeah. No, nah, man. Like I said, again, thanks for having me. Um, it's cool to see you know how you've grown and evolved as well you know over the time that we've we've known each other and again like you said how we've crossed paths um you know throughout this whole process so excited now i you know it's funny crossfit accolade i was like are there any of your accolades that i missed what all do you have going on right now um yeah honestly right now on the plate is just owning the two affiliates um and then the seminar staff stuff to to a couple of different degrees um one of which is just the primary you know, level one, level two that we that we do. Um, and then in addition to that, I was part of the uh, the pilot for CrossFit's scholarship program, um, which offers the the kernel of knowledge, the level one to um, underserved and underrepresented communities um, for free, just to give them an introduction to that that healthier lifestyle and to to um, inject some positive role models um, into those communities and, and try to show some of these folks who may not have the means or knowledge that there's a way for them to, to make fitness a lifestyle and to improve the quality of their own lives in their communities. And so um, I get to do that on a pretty regular basis uh, throughout the calendar year. And so that's pretty rewarding and pretty gratifying. Um, and uh, I think that's that's it right now. You know, <clears throat> there's a couple other ancillary things that have kind of wrapped up here just in the last couple months that were on the plate originally. But for right now, like those are the two mainstays. Now, it here's something that I want to talk about. It's like, I think what you just said about that program, one, as a member of CrossFit seminar staff, I don't know nearly enough about it. And even being a friend and hearing about it, like that was probably the most in-depth that I've heard about it. And it's so fucking cool. And it's so amazing. And I think it's kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of the MO of CrossFit HQ is that a lot of times behind the scenes, there's some really, really cool stuff going on. It's like, sometimes I'm like, why isn't that the stuff being promoted rather than other things? Again, I don't know the answer. I'm not a marketing major, but that's really, really cool. When did you get started in that? Sure. Uh, so that started in 2018, I believe, was the first one that we did. I was uh, down in, at a gym in Atlanta. Um, now, what does that look like? Yeah, so we have the the regular level one curriculum, um, and we adapted a little bit to, to cater to the audience. So specifically, um, you know, we look at that first one that we ran. This was an age group of about fourteen to seventeen um, young men, and so just factoring in, um, you know, their their familiarity with like being in a classroom setting and, and their level of attention span and and how high level some of the knowledge that we share can be relative to their level of comprehension. So we take those same levels, um, level one concepts, and we just modify it to deliver it in a way that makes sense to them. And so one really good example is our nutrition lecture. You know, we talk a lot about different um, dietary protocols that are successful that we've seen in the community um, and things of that nature. And we get into, um, you know, the breakdown of macronutrients and stuff like that. And these kids are in a place in life where they aren't necessarily 
in control or responsible for what they have access to and 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 how the uh, meals are prepared for them. They're either you know eating at school in the cafeteria or, or their parents are the ones preparing the meals. So instead of talking about you know dietary protocols in depth, we talk about you know what are the options that are available to you at your school cafeteria you know throughout the week and and how can we make better choices based on you know what your selection is um, so there's some injection of real life experience for them that's relevant to where they are in life i think that's so important and i think with the army program too that yep. crossfit is doing it's similar it's like meeting people where they're at is the information valuable that we're giving at a level one absolutely but it's funny that you mentioned it's like hey we're meeting people where they're at I'm like, shit, that might be more beneficial in the level one. Mm -hmm. You know, some of it, you know, you get those couple people, you get those Austin Maliolas who are just like, you know, writing it down and doing everything and, and counting their meals and measuring it all out. And it's fantastic. But I think for the most part, I mean, gosh, that information, there, there's conversations that I have with, with people who are seemingly fit and mm -hmm. squared away and they drop some nutrition stuff or, or comments on me. And I'm like, oh man, like that's. That's not how it works, but that's, right. it's unique and it's cool to, to be able to have that, you know, it's like you have this advanced knowledge, but then the ability to deliver it to anyone and everyone is mm -hmm. um, probably why you're a part of that program. And it's just to simplify it and relate to that. So yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, and, and, and it's cool, right. Just to see the light bulbs go off for these kids and, and, and not only from a, from a knowledge gain standpoint, but just also again, going back to the, the, the statement about like role models, right? Like some of these kids don't necessarily have, um, you know, the ideal figure um, in their life, whether it be at home, at school, through different, you know, lived experiences that they have. So to, to be able to connect with them personally and, you know, outside of lectures, like, you know, shoot hoop with some hoops with them on the court and, and just laugh and have fun and, and just show them, you know, a little bit of what life is like, you know, on this side, I think that also too is going to help them go a long way and, and it's going to give them some very lasting memories that are going to hopefully help them make better decisions for themselves along along the way throughout life it kind of reminds me um we had a guest on here jesse Stara, who's doing um a nonprofit for um um for foster care mm -hmm. for kids that are coming from orphans and that's where that he came from and he talked about it being it's such an important piece is for someone to have a positive uh role model in their life and and it's not just the person who's like, hey, we can have these serious talks and we can like be there for you when you're going through hard times. But right. it's like someone who cares enough about you to, you know, he talked about his memories. It's like his, one of his mentors would just pick him up and take him bowling. They'd laugh and have a good time and drop him off. Like it didn't need to be always a super serious situation, but just to show that like care and appreciation towards them is, is so important in that. So it's interesting and really cool to see that it, it kind of transfers through, I mean, probably all aspects of mm -hmm. life, but really important in that one. Yeah, for sure. How many of those have you done? Um, I've done more than a handful at this point. I don't remember the exact number, but I've done more than a handful at this point. Yeah. Um, so we get to, you know, the CrossFit seminar staff. And as mm -hmm. you know, and as I know, it's not an easy process to get through. And we both had help and assistance <laughs> from people who were there. But there's people who are just like, you know, you go into this process being like, I don't know what to expect. And it's like, well, you better be good at it. That's it. Um but there's, there's so many steps that lead into that. Mm -hmm. uh, before we talk about, I want to talk about your journey up until you started doing CrossFit. Did you yep. play sports growing up? What was kind of like your athletic background? What pushed you towards kind of getting into that fitness industry and, and kind of what was growing up like for you? Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Baltimore 
and played football all my life through rec league, high school, college. Um, you know, I played lacrosse as well from middle school through high school. Um, you know, considered playing that in college as well, but had to make the choice of one sport, not two, because college life's hard. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I did that. I went in as um, an exercise science major. So I studied exercise science, you know, kinesiology, depending on, you know, where you come from, it's what it's called. And um, my whole intent with that was to be a college strength coach. So like I had that that dream of like going to like the Alabamas of the world, right? Like and working with the football team and, and doing that sort of deal. So everything that I was doing was pushing towards that. You know, I got my, my CSCS, you know, strength and conditioning specialist, you know, right out of college and, um, you know, went into some internships in that space and spent a lot of time, I'd say, you know, first three or four years post-college, like working in that strength and conditioning world, just trying to climb the ranks there. Um, met a lot of people, went a lot of places with that. And um, that kind of carried me into um, CrossFit, you know, without going too deep into it, like you mentioned, just kind of staying at this stage. Long story short, some folks that I was working with at the time in the strength and conditioning space had started dabbling in CrossFit as it started to become a little bit more popular. And so that was like my first exposure to it, just kind of like taking classes with friends, not really knowing what it was. Um, and then obviously there's a whole nother, you know, section of that, that CrossFit space that we hadn't gotten to yet. But that was kind of like the, the segue into it and kind of where I was at the time when I found it. Now, when you were in college, were, is that when you were doing internships or was that after college that you started doing it? Yeah, so it was both. So between junior and senior year, I was doing some internships and then I did one more the summer immediately after I graduated that actually uh, was the one that brought me to Boston. Um, it was a private training facility. Um, and at the time there wasn't anything like that that I could find in Baltimore. So mm -hmm. I took the risk of coming up here um, just to intern at that place. Um, and then I uh, got an offer to, to work there post internship. So that was my initial move to Boston. Um, and so, yeah, so that was where I spent, like I said, the first couple of years of my time here in that space. You've got to have some interesting stories from working through like in colleges and doing all that and internships. Do you have anything that like stands out as far as it just being like, like a wow factor? It can be good. It can be positive. It can be negative. It can be just like, what the hell's going on? There's, a, there's, there's so many things, man. It depends on how you look at it, right? Like you can look at the, the journey of the athletes and some of the folks that I worked with. Like there's a lot of stories there, um, you know, just being in that setting and, and, and kind of what goes on behind the curtains in like a college weight room setting. Like there's a lot to talk about, but I know um, one thing that jumps out at me, I was training this, uh, this guy who was um, a football player at UMass and he was trying to make it to the league and he wasn't necessarily like a, a five-star, you know, guy coming out, but still had a shot, like super, uh, you know, big frame athletic guy. And he had this opportunity, like these guys get agents, right? Like, and they try to, you know, find every possible way, like, you know, CFL, you know, developmental leagues, like they try to do everything they can. So his agent got him a tryout with a team for an up and coming league um, down in Florida. And so because we had such a good relationship as, you know, his trainer working with him and we, we were also kind of friends on the outside of that, like he invited me to go. So like his trainer, you know, helped to support me going down with him to this tryout. And at the time, like I'm still up and coming as a trainer. So I'm like, man, this is crazy. I got this client that I train and he's going down for this big time workout for his career and I get to go with him. And like, it meant a lot and felt crazy for me to even be there. And then we get there and he's at day one of this tryout. And I forget what they were doing, but he did one drill. I don't know if it was like a 40 or like a, a receiving drill cause he, 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 he was a catcher, um, you know, tight end slash receiver. And it just didn't go well in his mind. 
and he legit like walked off the field like and i was the one there like as this up-and-coming trainer just happened to be in good friends with this guy and happened to have been working with him i was the one that had to tell him like bro you came down here for a re like we didn't just fly to tampa for nothing like and you're gonna walk off the field after one bad drill like this is day one. We still got all the rest of today and tomorrow. Like, you got to go back in there and put in this work, man. And, like, make yourself proud. And, like, even if it doesn't work out, like, you can't, like, it's definitely not going to work out if you just walk away right now. So that's definitely something that I experienced early that, like, lasted with me for a real long time. So what happened after that? Did he go back? Yeah, he went back for sure. Um, I mean, definitely think he was in his own head a little bit, you yeah. know, and, and it's tough to bounce back from that in such a high-pressure moment to, like, shake that off and still go perform for these guys. Um you know, ultimately, we ended up having a good time and, and enjoyed being in Tampa for the weekend. Um, you know, I don't, it, it didn't work out, you know, for him actually making that squad. But to at least seen him have gone back and give it a shot, like I felt, you know, proud of myself and, and him for, for doing that. Um, but definitely some learned experiences about, you know, what these guys go through, the pressure that they're under and how, you know, the thought of or the fear of failure might influence decisions that they make, you know, instantaneously, even when they still have a chance right in front of them, you know. I feel like we could talk for hours about fear of failure and where that's, <laughs> how much that's hindered. I mean, at least me and yeah. my career, but um, that leads to an interesting point about being a trainer is if you're good enough as at being a trainer, you become much more than a trainer. You become a best friend, mm -hmm. you become a psychologist, you become a nutritionist, you become all of these things because of the trust that people have in you. But it really starts at that trust issue. And it's like, you know, your job is to, to be there and train, not to essentially like motivate in that, but you, you become a coach long enough or a trainer long enough. It's like the amount of things that you end yep. up being for people is, is pretty incredible. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's at, at a high level. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, one of my best friends now, um, you know, you know, I'm getting married next summer and you know, he's going to be a groomsman in my wedding and he started out as a personal training client of mine and just just never left and and then you know those conversations went from like how much weight should i put on this bar to what are you doing this weekend to how's your wife and now it's you know we're, we're staying at each other's houses and, and doing all the things yeah it's hard it's hard to i mean if you really care it's hard to keep those lives yeah. separate yeah. i mean i can't now that i think about it i'm like i don't know if i have a single client where it like doesn't start to mesh you know you start yeah. to like bring people through it's like like shared suffered experiences mm -hmm. and it's like that bond is is uh, is really cool. Yeah. All right. So we've gone through. You're up in you're in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. You started doing CrossFit. Let's talk about the plunge into doing more CrossFit, signing up for a course, and and that side of it. Yeah. Um. So at the early onset of it, I honestly like wasn't pursuing my level one because CrossFit was still so new to me, and I was so committed to that whole strength conditioning journey that I like didn't necessarily think it was worth it. Um. And what happened was I wasn't seeing the success. Like I was achieving things in the strength conditioning space, but it didn't seem like it was going to be, you know, a timely manner that I was going to reach the goals that I had set out for myself. Right. Like it was challenging, like those jobs, like, you know, the head strength coach gets fired or the football program changes and, 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 and the whole you know, staff and team are all out of a job and everyone has to move. And, and, and so there's a lot of logistics and, and a lot of other things going on with that. And I'm looking inward. Okay. Where do I want to be in life? Where am I? How old am I? How much more time do I want to commit to this, et cetera, et cetera. And so I actually considered coaching CrossFit part-time as a means to give me room to step back from the strength and conditioning and just reevaluate how I was going to approach 
still pursuing that 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 higher rank in the strength and conditioning space and then that little slip into part-time just snowballed very quickly <laughs> and from there i was like this is it this is my path um you know so you know i found the gym that i started at commonwealth crossfit first gym and I found that the owner like had a post on like Craigslist or something like that, right? And so like that's how we met, and that's how, <laughs> and, and like men and, seeking men on yeah. Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's how we met, and I like you know I was like, hey, to be honest, like I don't have my level one, like, but I'm, I'm interested. Like I'm a coach by trade, right? Like I'm interested, and he's like, don't worry about that. You know, it's more finding the right person, and then you know we'll take care of the rest. And so we ended up clicking and vibe, and I went down to see the gym, and and you know agreed to come coach here part-time and he sent me to get my level one in January of 2015. It was either January or February, but it was the very beginning of that year. And um, I did that level one at the old Reebok CrossFit down in Canton. Um, and then that led into me going back and coaching at that gym for probably about a year or so. So to like 2016, 2017, and then at that time, I was the only full-time trainer at the gym, meaning everyone else had another job in a different industry, right? And so they were all part-time coaches. Like I was the only person that was trying to coach like all the time. And so I started to seek out ways that I could learn and grow in that environment without having other full-time trainers around me. And having been to Reebok and seen the caliber of trainer and who the people were there at the time, because they had obviously a full flight of, you know, full-time coaches and trainers who were, you know, in the space as athletes and as coaches, um, I took it upon myself to just shoot an email to the info account randomly. Like, and I was like, and I still to this day tell the story as such. Like, I thought it was a long shot. I was like, these are the best in the world. They don't have time for me. They're never going to get back to me, but I'm going to take this shot and just send this email and see what happens. Um, and I almost got like an immediate reply and was like, hey, thanks for sending a note. Happy to chat with you. You know, that sort of deal. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along those lines. Who responded? Uh, KCON. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was KCON that wrote me back. And then um, he, he invited me to come down for an interview with Austin. And so like I get there and I take a tour and I chat with KCON and, and you know, just kind of dancing around. And then Austin finally comes out to, to meet us. And, you know, KCON introduced me and, and we talked about what we had covered already. And then I don't know what was said. I don't know if it was like, what do we do next? Or like KCON was like, what do you want me to tell him or whatever like that. But I just remember Austin's input to this conversation being very brief. And maybe I can count the number of words on one hand. Right. And it was like something along the lines of like, welcome, just don't fuck up. Like basically, like, and that was pretty much it, right? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Typical Austin at that point in time. Yeah, so um, so that was it, man. So I ended up going down and, um, you know, obviously you were there. So like, you know, we're talking about this as if, you know, it, it wasn't the two of us as well, but um, I was coaching at Commonwealth in Somerville. And then on my own, when I had the time driving down to Canton, voluntarily just to be around you guys and just to be in that gym and have that opportunity to learn from you all and see how things were done differently and how I could grow as an individual. What could I take back to my gym to help that gym grow? Um, and, and that was the accelerant, um, you know, for my personal career and, and also, you know, professionally where I exist today in this industry, because that inspired me to go do coach development at my gym that didn't exist. And I saw how you guys did it and how often you did it and how in depth it was. And so, you know, 
being around you all helped me figure out what was possible. And, and, and that's kind of something that I try to tell people, you know, often, you know, is figuring out what's possible sooner can really help to make some decent and, and meaningful strides in your life. And so to, to wrap that up, fast track through that, um, my time spent down there volunteering and interning, quote unquote, with you all went great, you know, ended up coaching at One Nation after that. Uh, again, took that opportunity to be around, you know, that crew a little bit more, even though I was still coaching at Commonwealth. And then that, again, just continued to show me what was possible. And it was level two from there and then level three. Um, I did my level two and literally Saturday, Sunday course, as they all are. And then literally on Monday met with Austin and he started to mention the level three. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like my, like I'm just in the CrossFit at this point, right? Like I just got here. <laughs> like, and so, but again, show me what was possible. And I pursued that. Uh, and then, you know, being on seminar staff again was this thing that was unknown to me, but it became my standard because everyone who I was around was pursuing that. And I saw that as a, a marker of excellence and, and a marker of, an opportunity to do something greater with the skills and the knowledge that I'd gained up to that point. And so um, that that's the group. Those are the folks that were involved. And that's kind of how that whole process went for me. When did you intern for staff? I interned. So I got on the summer of 2018. So I interned, you know, sometime, you know, in the earlier part of 2018. Yeah. And so at summer 2018, mm -hmm you know, typical schedule before 2020, but then in 2020, did you work a lot? Did you do any of like the stuff with the changes, like the virtual ones? Yeah, no. So, so I actually, I didn't, I never, I still to this day haven't done any virtual or online level ones. Um, you know, for me personally, I just am so into the in-person experience and what that means to be able to actually connect with people and to have someone right in front of you and to be able to pick their brain and have those side conversations and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just, out of personal interest, never, you know, took the chance to do on any of the online level ones and being in an area where the, the seminar offerings are, are pretty dense and, and consistent, even though things had slowed down, I was working enough in-person gigs that I felt satisfied to kind of wait this thing out until things pick back up. And just quick, like just you mentioning, I mean, KCON responding to the email, but like really like Austin and Denise and the environment that they like harvested there. Mm -hmm. And you just think about the amount of coaching that came through there. A lot of CrossFit affiliates, people are like, oh, what athletes have come from there? How many members do they have in this? But man, you, you I, like I think about like the coaches development stuff too. You would think, oh, people got on seminar staff. They're good coaches. It was like every week we were we were getting evaluated on our classes. We were getting evaluated in small group breakouts and mm -hmm. training just to get better. And it was like this constant strive to be better and be in there full time. You know, you always saw people like come and go through, but I don't think there was a, a higher density led by Austin and Denise of of coaches that could kind of recruit other coaches that gave a shit or cared. And then you talk about the you know, coaches development program and that transfer to get on seminar staff. It's just what, a, like a cool environment of yeah. like people really caring about other people less than being like, Oh, who's going to the CrossFit games right. while also sending people to the CrossFit games. Like it's, right. it's unique, man. For sure. I mean, and, and obviously I, you know, I respect the fact that, you know, I had to earn it and I, and I put in the work, but I attribute a lot of how quickly things went for me 
as far as like starting CrossFit to being on staff, you know, all together, it was about three years, you know, from getting my level one to being on staff. I had, again, to your point, people around me and I had been exposed to what that standard was prior to starting that journey. So like I was a little bit more prepared when I was in the thick of it and going through, you know, that whole candidate process for getting on staff and things like that, because it was what was expected day to day, you know, at the affiliate level. Right. You know, so so that definitely helped a ton in terms of my, my preparation for that. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that people are like, Oh, you were at Reebok. So they kind of did it for you. It was like, Oh no, oh no, I promise you, you were working harder than any other affiliate that you could possibly be coaching at because of the standards that they demanded one of themselves, mm -hmm. but then two of everyone else. I still get dry and cotton mouth when I work with Denise. And I, you know, it's just like, <laughs> dude, I worked with Denise every day for like seven years. Yeah. And there is still, to this day, no other flow master that I'm just like, shit, man. And it's funny because he's like, I know the lectures. Right. Yeah, I've, I've worked right. well over 100 seminars. Right. But all of a sudden, she's sitting there just like pen and paper. <laughs> yep. and I'm like, man. Uh, <laughs> you start throwing content from other lectures in there, and you're uh, like, like, how do you feel that went? You're like, how do you think it went, Denise? It didn't go as well as I wanted it to. Yeah. Oh, it's good, man. But like they say, iron sharpens iron. And, and, and while that may create that state of anxiety for us, it's because, like you said, we know what's expected and, and we know what we need to deliver. So, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a silver lining to it. Yeah. I think the only lecture I've ever, I've had one approve and hold mm -hmm. on a lecture and it was like a deadlift lecture that I was going with Denise and I like went like 90 seconds over. She's like, she's like, you know, deliver the content. Here's how you can get better. But like, you know, the timelines, the timelines on it. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an improvement hold. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, to that point though, man. I mean, look at, look at the feedback that we get. Right. Like yeah. week to week, right. Like as you work a seminar, like just being evaluated on, from everything from content to your presentation and delivery, right? Like I get feedback on like how neatly I wrote on the board, like not just what I said, right? Like I get feedback on, you know, making proper eye contact with the audience, like things like that. And, and it might sound silly to the unknowing, but like those are things that make me better overall. Like I'm going to leverage those public speaking skills elsewhere in my life and in my career, right? Like, so there's a lot of value. Um, and my point with this is, is like, where else do you get that in life? Like what other, job or industry like how many other folks out there get that type of constructive feedback to help them continue to grow daily versus like a quarterly evaluation or something like that where they don't actually get to exact on the feedback and, and improve upon it in some systematic way yeah you know i guess it, i didn't really think about that i mean you talk about like evals like i remember evals in the military mm -hmm. i wrote my own <laughs> I wrote my own and then someone else said approve. And you'd be like, well, fantastic. Everything's fucking great. <laughs> great. But I think it's because they have that environment is that it's so accepted. Because if even in this, even at this company, which is incredible, if we started giving feedback like that, people would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Like what's like, yep. like getting defensive on it. But because from the very beginning, that's how it is. And although you would think it would be frustrating, right? I'm going to hit my timelines. I'm going to say verbatim, everything that's on here at lecture, boom, crushed it. Awesome great job with this. Mm -hmm. Here's where you can improve. Mm -hmm. Here's where you can, you know, you can pause. And when there's something really important to say, you can emphasize it. You can move around the board. You can don't talk while you're doing this. And there's like all these other things that were, yeah, sure. You hit a home run here, but here are, are improvement areas. And maybe I didn't really like sit back and think of it until now, but 
talking on stage in front of hundreds of people, stuff when we've worked together doing mm -hmm. events, bigger events for Big Night Fitness, talking in front of a camera, being able to do that. I mean, it's all stems from, you know, I remember how nervous I was with my first breakout group yep. and then the first lecture. And it's it's just that that constant improvement is something that you're right, is is rare and hard to find. But there's a reason why every single seminar that happens mm -hmm. people are like oh you guys must you guys all travel and work together back and like nope i've actually never worked with these people That's before the best feedback man every time i work a seminar and someone's like oh like how often you guys work together i'm like i just met them at the airport on friday like and people's minds are blown and i don't know what that is obviously what we're talking about is some of why that exists yeah but it's one of those things that also can't really be explained but i love that about this team and what we do and the people that we do it with it's just a standard that's held. Mm -hmm. It's a standard that's upkept. And, you know, sometimes I like when we get like feedback emails being like, hey, if, if this isn't what's being held or happening, mm -hmm. there's no, you know, there's no room for error that's on this it. one. Like, yeah. here's what it is. Yeah. Um, so still working seminars. Yep. You've done some other stuff too in the, you know, you were working with Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, which which is just incredible and a yeah. really, really cool environment. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I had some friends that worked there before me, um, and so they kind of brought me into the world and introduced me. What is me. Phoenix? Yeah, so the Phoenix is a, a national nonprofit organization, um, and their mission is to um, you know, improve opportunities for the recovery community to have exposure to health, wellness, fitness, and a healthier lifestyle um, and kind of break down the stigma of, like, you know, sober is something different right meaning like they can't share common spaces at music festivals or concerts or the gym even for example right um so they're creating opportunities for people to participate in all of these programs whether it be fitness a lifestyle activity music or other and these programs are all free to those folks as long as they have 48 hours of continuous sobriety um so it, it's huge and they've gone digital. They have an app now. So you can literally like no matter where you live, like download the Phoenix app um, and then by your location, it shows you a full calendar list of events that are happening near you. Um, you know, yoga, meditation, CrossFit, hiking, climbing, swimming, whatever the case may be. Um, and so their whole thing is like the power of connection, right? Like, so they're bringing people together and creating a community around these experiences. And then that community becomes the support that these people need to continue to push through. Right. And so, um, so super cool mission, super cool organization. And, and so, like I was saying, I had some folks that were already working for them and kind of got me introduced to it. And my whole thing with them was just bringing my knowledge and experience and network to the table to help amplify the journey that they were already on. Right. You know, so if I could make a phone call for them, um, you know, to CrossFit HQ, for example, to, to help you know, blow up a, an event that they were doing and get HQ to support it or something like that. Like that was my job. Um, if I could call up my friends at, you know, some of the fitness brands and, and get them to donate shoes or something like that, like that was kind of where I was in the space and, you know, leveraging partnerships to really help to amplify the mission. And so I spent, you know, about a year and a half doing that and and, and took them a lot of places. And, and I learned a ton from that experience as far as, you know, the folks that I was getting introduced to and the people that I was meeting along the way. And so, um, you know, super grateful for that time spent and, um, you know, still have a lot of close relationships there and, and, and I'm still helping them kind of, you know, from the outside, still kind of push forward through that. When, when people who, I mean, I don't know how to like label it incorrectly. And this is this, I mean, I'm saying this from like my heart, but when mm -hmm. people who were previously addicts or mm -hmm. were addicted, whether it was whatever substance, mm -hmm. um, 
from a psychology standpoint, I've read that it is um, in a recovery process, it is very beneficial to find a similar addiction in a positive way. Did you see and find a lot of success in the people that were continuously doing CrossFit? Again, something that like, we're like, oh, it's a cult, you're addicted. <laughs> Did you see a lot of success in that and in, in CrossFit specifically? Yeah, so um, they actually have um, in-house like a whole research department, right? Like people who are doing the, the work of collecting data and looking at how this benefits the folks that it serves. And so to your point, yes, um, you know, initially it was kind of anecdotal and that people like, hey, I feel better. I feel great that I have this opportunity to come work out here. Um, the accountability, the staff, the, the just how jovial everyone is, like really helps me it's good work. day to day, right? And now that they have this this research team, they're actually starting to do some some non-invasive um, studies, you know, partnered with some of the universities around and being able to get to, you know, the bottom of, you know, some of those lifestyle factors and metrics that they can track that people are able to show marked improvement in those factors by association with coming to a CrossFit class regularly, you know, two or three times a week at the Phoenix or, um, you know, whatever it is, the program that they're participating in. And so um, I think in the next couple years, I don't know what the timeline is for like their data readouts and that sort of stuff based on where they are in the study right now. But I think in the next couple of years, we'll hear some pretty interesting, you know, facts and data coming from the work that they're doing there. And I think that's going to help them get more people to have eyes on and support what they're doing for sure. It's, it's really interesting. And as I'm sure you have found and seen firsthand, I think the way we handle addiction and addicts, or at least previously probably wasn't, wasn't the best way to do it. It was, there was a kind of very shameful type thing. And, um, I read a book called chasing the scream. You ever heard of it? I haven't. It's really interesting. Um, the author is, uh, I was kind of turned off by him at first because I heard like a YouTube video of him before I started reading the book and I got it. And he kind of sounded like condescending as if like he knew the answer and no one else did, but maybe it was just because he was like English and that's just how he was. But it was just a really interesting take on addiction and how almost like welcoming it and not shaming it was, it was, it was a really big difference between people that were going through rehab or even the whole rehabilitation program and assimilation back in to regular life. Mm -hmm. And what I really liked about what you said and something that you and I have spoken about a lot is it's like, it's not like, Hey, I'm an addict, so I can't do these things anymore. But I mean, we go, you know, you've gone out to, you know, pretty much all of our nightlife venues that, to hang out, to have a good time. And it's not like you're like, Hey, no one should be drinking here. You know, it's like, hey, I'm just I'm just doing my own thing and I'm comfortable enough to, you know, if I've had enough time away, I'm strong enough where I can be around it, I can do this thing and I can assimilate back into life. It's just I'm not drinking, I'm not participating in that in that stuff. And I think that's that's so important. And I think we're really like big breakthrough and what's what's something that's cool that I mean, maybe it's something from the Phoenix, but something that I've seen you do. Cause I mean, it was probably a couple of years when I was like, oh yeah, Larry parties, he's out, you know, drinking with us too. And I'm like, we've been out together, but I just don't, you know, you don't kind of like focus on that stuff. And to hear that and to kind of hear and know, you know, we were talking about like lyrics to the song and mm -hmm. how some people are like, like, and you listen to it, you're like, oh, well this person doesn't drink. And you're like, wait, Joyner Lucas said this thing on this and like, and so he doesn't drink and, and you know, uh, Jack Harlow on yep. this one we talked about. And it's just 
kind of a cool thing to see. And it's like, it doesn't need to be this publicized thing. Like, Hey, I'm going to scare everyone off because I'm sober. Right. Um, and just a way to like live your life in a normal way, um, without it having to be this thing you have to kind of like tiptoe around. For sure. I think, um, you know, one of the big things that they're working towards, and I think for all groups that are looking for, you know, visibility and acceptance and, and within our greater culture, it's understanding who the people really are. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what this group of people looks like. And I would tell friends that I work at the Phoenix and what the mission was, and they just assume that everybody coming through the doors was like off the street, like didn't look like they had their life together. And I'm like, Actually, like if you walk in those doors, like you don't know who's who, right? Like there's staff and volunteers and, and people from all walks of life, some in recovery, some aren't, and you wouldn't be able to tell them apart by looking around the gym, right? So like that's part of, you know, you got to get that out of your head and, and that's part of educating people. And again, just that awareness and level of acceptance. Um, and then the other piece to it is, 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 is what you were talking about. It's just like these folks are there with a purpose and it's to live a quality of life that should be awarded to all of us, regardless of what our background is. Right. And so we shouldn't be able to, uh, excuse me, we should be able to, to your point, go to a music festival or go to a movie or go to whatever it is and enjoy it the same, regardless of, you know, what that lived experience looks like. And so there's a lot of people doing that work. Um, I know specifically with, you know, the, where we are, they partnered with, um, the music industry and they have this initiative one million strong going right now um, and what they're doing is creating safe sober spaces at music festivals um, and so folks like I think they already did a gig uh, with the chain smokers like out in LA maybe like a year ago um, and so they're getting these huge headliners and folks in the industry who support sobriety and, and the ability for these people to show up to these events and they have now where you have like a beer station, they have, you know, a hydration station, like where it's just water and things like that. And it's like sponsored by or in collaboration with the Phoenix. And it's just a, a space where people can go and say, hey, like these are other folks in my space and we can all be here and be present, have a great time and enjoy this experience. Um, we don't need to go like stand in a corner or get our food at the back door, right? Like we can be here with everyone else at the same time and have this experience. And so I think that's really cool as well. The first thing that I thought of when you said that is like, well, that's like a sense of belonging, you know, and I could see where, you know, as someone where if you just don't drink, whether you're like in recovery or not, and you can go there and like have fun, but it's like, Hey, I'm in someone else's environment mm -hmm. right now. And I'm okay mm -hmm. being in someone else's environment, uncomfortable, but it almost like with having that, it's like, it does give a sense of belonging. And I see that too. in in some of the some of the restaurants and bars, it's like, hey, we have like a mocktail mm -hmm. menu. Mm -hmm. You can order this. It's not like you're like, hey, can I get this, but without the alcohol in right. it? It's like, hey, I'll have this. And it's like, cool. And it's just this, I don't know, um, this like easier assimilation into, yeah. you know, I was just like the drinking culture. It's, yeah. it's, it's an odd thing to, yeah. to like talk about. And I don't want to like shame anyone on any side of it, right. but that, that gave me that thing of like, well, that's going to give someone a sense of belonging. Like yeah. here I can go. And then in the same sense, it's like, if you're out, you know, if you're over there drinking, but there's like a hydration station, you want to be a part of it. It's like right. now all of a sudden, like you're in this area where it's like people are still partying and having fun. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, I guess, you know, everyone is together on this, which yep. is, it's a weird thing to think about yeah. that there was separation in the first place. Music's music, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't change anything. Um, but yeah, so that's great. So there's a lot going on in that space in that regard. And I, and I think, um, I think some good stuff's going to come from that for sure. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. And I'm, I'm sure very like, yeah, like passion driven yeah, and that side of it too. Yeah. Um, 
what else you got going on? Um, what else is there? Um, aside from that, man, everything else is just for fun. Um, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. You know, I've invested my entire professional career to the industry. You know, I've been a strength coach. I've been a CrossFit coach. I've been an owner. I've been on seminar staff. And I just always feels like <clears throat> I always feel like there's another part of me that just wants to go out and have fun and 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 exercise my brain and my skill set and my personal interests um, in a different way, right? Uh, aside from coaching, and that's what draws me to music and that's what draws me to performance art and culture and things like that. And that's part of why we vibe so well. So, um, you know, that being said, you know, I dabbled in some DJing, you know, a few years ago when I was still up and coming and thought I was going to have all this free time and be able to play all these gigs and run through nightclubs. And then I got a real job and that never happened. But, you know, lately in that pursuit of, you know, exploring my passions, I've, you know, invested in getting back into DJing a little bit as a hobby and, and just having some fun with that and being able to mix for one of my classes at my gym if I want to and that sort of stuff. So, so that's really fun. Um, you know, did the same thing with stand-up comedy. Um, uh, something, again, another performance art that I really enjoy and appreciate. And so, um, you know, dabbling with that a little bit myself and, you know, doing some open mic stuff. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of people call me a model now, I guess. But I was like, I dabble. I'm not, I don't consider myself a model. I but consider I, you a model. <laughs> but, you know, I have some friends in the, you know, fitness apparel industry or other that, you know, have called on me to help them with some projects. So I may show up in some pictures or some videos here and there. So a couple of things. So <laughs> just trying to have fun, man, and, and find ways to, to still be human amidst being a professional and, and just living life. Yeah. Two things. One, I remember when you were like, hey, I'm going to go through DJ school because it was something too. I was like before I like really started like getting into train at some of these like bigger name people. Yep. And I remember when you had finished, it was like, hey, like at the end of it, you get to like yep. rip yep. a session. Played in Boston. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And you missed it. I missed it? You missed it. I remember playing. <laughs> I remember playing your you missed mix. It. You did play the mix a lot, and I appreciate that. So yeah, you missed it. But KCon, I think, like Facetimed you or like video called you I, from the I show. I think I had like a seminar and or something. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I would have. For some honestly, because I remember it so vividly, <laughs> yeah. I was there. You were there. I was like, I definitely. And then like, no, we we tore it up, man. It was and it was like that whole crew that came, and the the folks, the directors of the school that I went to, they were like, they knew I was in the CrossFit, right? And they were like. <laughs> you CrossFit people are crazy, like not like insane, like like, like the fact that we went in there and jumped all night from start <laughs> to finish, right? Like, and yeah. it was just like, it was like, they were like, y'all are wild and this is a crowd for sure. Um, but yeah, man, that was a lot of fun. And that was kind of like my first taste of like being able to leverage my personal interests, you know, to entertain other people and just enjoy it. And so I definitely would love to be able to find other ways to do that in my life. And so this is just kind of one of those things that I'm just, you know, considered and, and trying to find ways to pursue stand-up comedy. Yeah, love it. I didn't know you were doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, you got to let me know the next open mic night. Oh, I am. Sure. It's something where I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. And then if someone would be like, okay, cool, we'll sign you up. I'd be like, no, no, absolutely no. <laughs> not. That's terrifying. It's fun, man. I took a class on it during the pandemic, so I was actually supposed to do it in person, but obviously with COVID, um, I ended up just doing it online. Um, and while it doesn't it doesn't teach you how to be funny. Like, believe it or not, there is kind of like, um, you know, th there are some like stylistic things that make comedians good at what they do, right? Like, just like any other job, like mm. I can get up and tell you like, you know, green eggs and ham and like you'll laugh, but like 
to actually tell a story or to like take something so mundane in your life and add the right detail or use the right jargon with it to make it something that you can deliver to an audience and have them receive and enjoy. Um, there's definitely some skill to that. And so like, that's what I learned from that class. And so now everything that I think is funny, I kind of like run it through this like little like curriculum that I have in my head to say like, all right, I thought that was funny, but like, is this actually deliverable content? <laughs> That's, oh man, that's so crazy. What's, you know, what's, what's cooler than any one of these things is, it, you know, we talk about it when I had Ruben on here with jujitsu and it's mm -hmm. like, people are afraid to do stuff that they suck at, but it like, it seems that you don't have that fear, which is probably not true. You probably do have the fear, but you do it anyways. Why? Why? How do you, how do you gain that to just be like, I'm going to do this? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I just just wanting more man i think i think i'm sure there's like a it's like going to like a therapist right like there's there's a deeper reason like than what we're getting at the superficial level but i think a big part of it is like you know i came from a normal traditional working class family growing up right and we didn't have a ton of luxuries like we didn't i didn't travel a bunch and all that stuff so i always wanted more for myself you know and every facet of life and so i think now that i'm in a place where i can almost say yes to anything i'm taking advantage of it and because that means something to me personally with regards to how i grew up and where i'm at now in life and so i take that mindset with me to exploring all these creative expressions to what i do with work and business opportunities and things like that and so just just saying yes and pursuing things and and i may learn along the way that it's not the right choice so it may not be a long-term thing but i think that's kind of where it's rooted but that's just my personality now. I'm just like willing to give things a shot. And that's difficult because, well, it's difficult for a lot of people to fathom because you are coming from an area where you are around and a part of some of the best trainers in the world. And I thoroughly believe that statement. And if you want to like, if you want to discuss it, just go to any level one, level two seminar and you're like, okay, yeah. But so from going to an area to be at the top, it's like you have no fear of just being like, hey, I'm going to go start at the bottom again. I'm going to go start at the bottom again. Is there ever like a fear of like, it's not going to work out or people aren't going to think I'm good at this? Like, like what if you, I mean, have you had a stand up comedy where you like go in there and like no one laughs and you're like, well, I get better. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there, there's always that fear, if you want to call it that, of being like the new guy, right? Like, and you know what I mean by that is like not knowing all the ropes and like, oh, like, I don't know exactly how this thing is supposed to play out, but I know I want to give it a shot. I will say, though, the thing that's been more of a drawback for me personally is not the fear of failure, so to speak, that we mentioned earlier, but not being able to give it my all to the degree that I would want to. That's hindered me more than anything. So like I said, when I got into DJing, I thought I was going to be like at the club like every weekend, like playing all these shows and doing all this stuff. And then when I realized that I wasn't necessarily going to have the time to do it, I didn't like taper it down or like try to find another way around it. I just stopped DJing. And then at some point later on in my life, I realized that like that wasn't the right move for me. Like this is something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I care about and enjoy. So let's figure out how to work this in, right? Like whether it's just at home when I have the free time, I do it or whatever. But like there's no reason I should have let that go. And the same thing with comedy. Like I took that class and then the pandemic happened and I was like, this is I can this is easier in the sense of like, it's tough to you know be at a club at 2 a.m. And, and get gigs and do all that stuff. But like open mics and things like that, as far as comedy goes, I could get into a lot more easily, but oh man, I don't have the time. And and and, and 
I want to do it to the best possible degree that I could do it. And if I saw that the time was a barrier or I wasn't gonna be able as prepared as I could have been or whatever, right? Like, again, it was an excuse to like not do it. And then eventually I'm like, it keeps coming up. This is something I love. It's something I'm passionate about. Again, let's figure out how to work this in. So like not being able to give something my all to the degree that I would like has been more of a barrier to me than like the fear of not being successful at it, if that makes sense. It makes sense. It's just crazy hearing that because I think that's the right attitude to have. But there's so many people that have that fear of failure. Is there, and a lot of times I ask this on the podcast, is there something that you can tell the listeners, whoever is listening to this right now, like Mm -hmm. what is something to help them get over that fear to be able to like start new and just do something that you're passionate about? What if, what are the positives that you've seen from doing it? What are the differences between when you do it and then not do it? Like, what can you give someone to have someone be like, you know what? I am going to give that a shot. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I immediately go to thinking about the outcome, right? Because if you see the goal and, and the end result of where you're trying to get to, like that can be your guiding light. And it can also help you make better and more strategic choices along the way that would minimize that risk of failure along the way. Um, you know, I'll use a coaching example than a real life example. Um, you know, like I said, I was coaching, you know, for a year and a half or so in the CrossFit space prior to meeting that Reebok crew. And the time I spent there that year and a half, the growth that I maturation that I had as a trainer there compared to the year and a half that I had at Reebok, it's exponential, the growth and development that I had over here compared to here. And that was, you know, again, just the right resources, the right time, the right place, the right people. So I put myself in a position to help better reach the end goal, right? Now, looking at my life, right? I, like I said, grew up in Baltimore, didn't have a a ton of travel and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, now I live in Boston and, you know, 10 years later, I'm jumping out of airplanes, I'm going snowmobiling, I'm going on ski trips and snow, like, and you ask my friends in Baltimore, like they laugh, like none of them, have ever been probably nor will ever be on a snowboard, right? Like we play basketball in the street on an asphalt court, you know, like just like stuff like that, right? Like a completely different, like I'm starting to eat, you know, all these different animals. And like I had gator a couple of weeks ago at a seminar, right? Like it's just like things that I wouldn't otherwise do. And the point here is that because of those lived experiences, I find myself enjoying life more. And those, those lived experiences give me so much more to lean on as I take other journeys in life, you know, whether it be professional or personal. And so I see the benefit of trying these things and how broad it makes me as an individual and how much more capable I am. So therefore going forward, I'm less resistant to things and trying more things out. So just again, having sight of that end goal can really help you out in the short and long term. That's, you know, it's really interesting. I never thought of it like that. You know, as silly as it sounds, you're like, I tried Gator the other weekend and there are people who are like, I don't want to try it. I don't, I've never had it. I don't think I'll like it, but it's, it's the same thing with adaptation, you know, in training. It's like, you're, you're not going to get adaptation in areas that you're not participating in and then the things that you're not doing. So when you talk about jumping out of airplanes and eating, you know, Gator, some people would be like, you know, Oh, like, like cool. But when you talk about it and your ability to go, that's cool. I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. 
And not just in ways where it's like in, in close settings, like, oh, I'm going to play this video game. But it's like in ways of, of, of wanting to DJ and doing stand-up comedy and doing really whatever you want in life because you have that constant and consistent exposure. It's like it's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start, you'll never like what you said, like your friends back in Baltimore, yeah. they're like, what <laughs> is this guy doing? And you know what? You can convince yourself that you're like, that's not what I want. I'm re- I'm really good here. That's not what I want. But like, it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's just comfort zones. Yep. Exactly. And when, you, and when you don't have one, it's like you get to be put in, in places where you are regarded yeah. as just not only an incredible human by myself and everyone around you, but you know, at the top level and being able to do all of this stuff. And it makes all of our conversations so exciting because it's like, you know, what's what's this guy got going on next? What's <laughs> yep. cool? And then you see it and you're like, maybe maybe I need to do this then. And it, mm-hmm. Like it, it unconsciously gives that that motivation to other people. And yeah. that's really cool, man. It, it, it amplifies your potential for sure as a person, as a human, uh, you know, and, and everything that you're capable of. And and like you said, it's a, it's a mindset. Like, you know, if I go back to the, again, that example at home, you know, when I grew up, we ate steaks well done and that was it. That was the only way, right? Like it's just, it's just how we eat down there, right? Like everything's well done. If it's not done enough, send it back, cook it more, right? Like, and then there's this whole life out there of like a medium steak that, you know, and like, I still know to this day, people at home that like won't try it. And when I go out with them now and I order medium, like they give me dirty looks, right? Like, and, 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 but because I took that step of trying a medium steak, I now feel confident in taking the step to try this thing or that thing or that thing, right? And, and, and it sounds silly, like you said, but it, that's the seedling to it all, you know? So, yeah. It snowballs. <laughs> and it's, it sounds so stupid or silly being like, oh, cool, Larry ordered a medium steak instead of like, oh, hey, let's bring the balloons out, like bring the confetti. But what does it lead to? Yeah. You know, it's so many people are just like, hey, I'm in my comfort mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. And you think, you really do, you really think, hey, this is where I'm happiest mm-hmm. until you just yeah, take one step out. And then you get to step out in this way. And then it's yeah. maybe this way, but... Yeah. And I think you, I think it's really powerful because it's coming from someone that has lived it and it's not preaching like, Hey, everyone needs to do this. Right. But it's like, imagine how many people out there are like, man, I'd really love to do this, but mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Hey, excuse, excuse, excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I think it's really inspiring. I think people are really going to be able to take that in and, and hopefully try that, that new thing that they've been yeah. wanting to do, whether it is a medium steak yeah. or it's jumping out of an airplane <laughs> or it's applying for a job that you yeah. may not be qualified for, or if it's DJing it, or if it's asking that other person out or whether it's taking the risk or doing all that stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a better way to live. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that whole confidence in like trying new things and, and asking things and, and so on, um, you know, takes me back to, to that, uh, that level one experience that I had at Reebok back in, in 2015. When I got there, um, you know, there was this guy sitting at the front desk, like helping to check everybody in when we got there and make sure we were going in the right direction. And, you know, he had on these pants, you know, from Reebok at the time that I like hadn't seen or heard of. And I thought they were like super cool. And I just made a genuine comment about like how I liked the pants to that guy. And he literally took the pants off. He was wearing them. He took the pants off that he was like, you want them? Take them. And I took those pants and went home and told my friends about it because I didn't have anything this cool at the time. 
And I still have those pants to this day, and they are one of my favorite pair of pants to wear in the spring just because of the material and fabric that I'm made out of. But if you remember, that guy was you, my man. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember. I don't have those pants. They were cool because they had like the clip on them. Just pulled tight at the waist. I don't know if Reebok ever like really made those. I think it was like a, they like made them for, it was like a sample or something rather. Yeah. But I just remember you were like, man, those are really cool. And you were like, you like liked, and of, co- of course, like being at Reebok, like you got a bunch of stuff. Right, right. And I don't know what, because I've never done that in my life before. Like it's not, this isn't a common occurrence where it's just like, just Connor give me the pants off his legs. Like, that's not a saying. Yeah. But I do remember that, man. It's yeah. it's funny that that uh, that that's how that ended up working. Yeah. But I'm glad it did because maybe we Here wouldn't we have are. had that. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Like, how'd you and Connor met? I'm like, well... <laughs> He gave me his pants one day, and <laughs> now we're friends. You're like, did you not have pants? And he was like, no, I had them on. It was just... And the best part was, I think you put them on yeah. right there. I like took them off. Prob- like, I probably did. Yeah, I threw them yeah. on. And we were just like, all right. time. Yeah, good times. Man. Pants exchange. Good times. You can wash these now. They're cool. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't been working out, so <laughs> so whatever. Um, well, that's awesome, man. If people from this want to find you, want to follow you, want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, yeah, so my Instagram handle is just my name. So it's Larry underscore J underscore Thomas. Um, so, so that'll get you in direct contact if you want to follow along or shoot me a DM. Um, if you want to send me an email, um, you know, I have an address at either gym, but Larry at cfaccolade.com is a good catch all. Um, that's, you know, the CrossFit Accolade is the the newer, more recent one that I opened, and I, I try to, you know, facilitate comps through that just to help gain some exposure and awareness of that gym. So, um, but yeah, those those are the ways that you can find me. Wonderful. And if um, and if for some reason you can't find Larry there, you can always reach out to me. You can always reach out to um, our Instagram at Big Night Fitness. Um, follow along at Big Night Media, where we have a lot of this content, not just for the fitness world, but everything going on in Big Night. Um, and then again, if you want to reach out to me to get a hold of Larry or ask any of these questions at Connor T Murphy, C O N O R T M U R P H Y, um, on YouTube, we'll put like the links up there, we'll put how to get a hold of you and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, always a pleasure catching up with you. Always a pleasure having you on. And I'm, and I'm hoping that, uh, not hoping I, I'm hoping that we get a lot of listeners, (laughs) but of the people that are listening to this, it's, uh, it's some really cool stuff. And I've seen from people that have come on here, other people reach out to me and it's like, hey, I've been able to make meaningful change in my life because of this. So um, thanks again, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Here to make change. <laughs>